coming up next on Within Radio. Right Lighter Radio Spa with Elaine Marie. Within Radio, your self-transformational channel. Go within to find the answers you seek. Welcome to Write Lighter Radio Spa, the show where we write, relax, and renew. I'm Elaine Marie, and I'm so glad you tuned in today. During this program, you will meet author and psychologist Donnie Snyder, and spiritual nutritionist and massage therapist Carla Golden. You will also learn how to de-stress with laughter, detox with writing, and meditate in a beautiful garden labyrinth. Before we get started, here are your spa tools for the day. A pen or pencil, writing paper, a sense of humor, and an open mind. You may also wish to light an aromatherapy candle and wrap yourself in a fluffy white bathrobe. I'll let you get settled, and then I'll meet you by the healing pool for today's first spa treatment.
Laughing is a great exercise to help you feel and look better. There's an old saying, laugh and the world laughs with you. Well, laughter is a wonderful healer because it helps you to relieve stress, lower your blood pressure, massage your internal organs, and open your heart chakra. Laughter releases your worries so that you may feel joyful and free. The first time I tried laughing at absolutely nothing, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But then I discovered that the more I laughed, the better I felt. And the more I listened to myself laugh, the more I, well, laughed. (laughs) I want you to enjoy this pleasurable experience too, so try it with me. Go ahead, take a deep breath, and laugh for the next two minutes. I know it sounds silly, but don't worry. This is a completely private session, so no one else will hear your giggles, your guffaws, your cackles, your yuck yucks, your snorts, your chuckles, or your belly laughs. So don't hold back. Let's exercise that funny bone. Ready? Set? Laugh. Well, that was fun. Now, let's meet my first guest, Bonnie Snyder from Florida. Bonnie has a background in teaching, counseling, and she's a certified life balance and energy alignment coach, as well as a graduate of the Authentic Happiness Coaching Program. Bonnie was trained as an educational psychologist 
who uses a unique approach combining goal-oriented coaching with a wide variety of other modalities and techniques, including energy psychology, energy medicine, and matrix energetics. She is also the author of Angel Violet's Magic Wings, a storybook tool for young children and their parents. Bonnie has two websites, diamondpathways.com and her virtual spa at serenitypathways.com. Bonnie, I was reading your bio and I had to smile. I just had to because I saw that you are a graduate of the Authentic Happiness Coaching Program. Would you please share a bit about your personal journey? How did you achieve happiness? Well, I think achieving happiness is an everyday journey. And some days we're very successful with it and other days we're not. But knowing that you're always, the most important thing is being happy. That's what makes our life worthwhile, at least for me it is. But my background's in counseling, and I've always been known as being very eclectic. So I always was looking for new things. And I had purchased the book Authentic Happiness by Marty Seligman. And it just happened that I needed some CEs, so I was, that's continuing education. So I was going to a marriage and family seminar because I saw Marty Seligman was going to be speaking. And it's Dr. Martin Seligman who wrote, wrote Authentic Happiness and now Flourish, which is also a wonderful book. But anyway, I was really excited to meet him because reading the book, I felt that he made some really concrete suggestions and stories and research because he is one of the positive psychology researchers about things that we now take for granted. I think he was a forerunner in things like gratitude and blessings and random acts of kindness. And I was so excited about it that I signed up to listen to his lecture. And I happened to sit next to him. And you know when you have that, that just that peace inside that's so excited, you know it's the right thing? When he spoke, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to spend time with him. He had such amazing charisma. And I have to tell you, it was one of the turning points in my life. It was six months. It was a, a lot of energy and work. There were 300 of us in the first Vanguard. But the experience was exquisite to me. It changed my life. It really did. And there um, rituals and things that I do and that I coach my clients with that I continue to use because it makes our life more fulfilled. I think happy, sometimes people have different expectations of what that is, but I feel like I lead a much more fulfilled and joyful life because of my experience with the Authentic Happiness Coaching Program. But what about someone who is frequently unhappy? What kind of positive techniques would you recommend for them? (laughs) I think... First and foremost, and I've learned this through some of my spiritual classes, but the research says it's about gratitude. And I remember there were times, financial difficulties, where you would think, well, nothing's okay. I have nothing to be grateful for. We always have things to be grateful for. You can't be grateful and be upset at the same time. And I I was not a journaler, and I remember when I first learned this, which was before authentic happiness and the research that actually shows that when we do that on a regular basis and count our blessings, that we are happier. I remember one day I would make myself write 10 things, and I wrote 10 things I liked about my car. Do you know how much I enjoyed driving my car that day? So if we are being unhappy, 
our energy is focused towards that, and we're just creating more of it. And I know some of that is, you know, we've heard a lot of that, but it, it is the truth, and research now bears that out. Well, that's good to know. And I think this is a really good segue to speaking about your virtual spa. Bonnie, I felt a real kinship with you when I discovered that you had created a virtual spa because for years I had envisioned a virtual spa for writers and now that's reality, but you envisioned one for the masses. Well, the result is a beautiful interactive paradise called Serenity Pathways. I love that name. When did you first get the idea of developing that simple, elegant path to peace, as you call it? How did that come into being? When I was working with my clients in my counseling practice, what I found was once we decrease the stress response and we know when we're stressed, even if it's just mild stress that we don't think is clearly. And I started creating short meditations for my clients. And I thought, well, what could I do? I'm a quick and easy, give me the 10 minutes and be done. Um, What could I do that would help people? So I started creating these recordings, and I actually put them up for free. And my husband had been working with a marketing person who said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, you really need to do something and trademark what you're doing. I, I wanted a place where people could go and spend 10 minutes and move on with their day. We live in such a busy world, and it's certainly gotten much, much busier now that if we can go in, and research says 10 to 20 minutes on a regular basis increases our health, our vitality, and our emotional well-being. And I thought, I have this gift. I can do this. So that was really the start of the spa, was my desire to give people a sacred place to go in a very short amount of time. And I had to laugh when I put up the uh, three-minute one, which is in the free rooms, I had a woman say, thank you so much. I don't usually have 10 minutes, but I do have three, and it makes such a difference. I'm sure it does. And I obviously love the idea of creating a sacred space online. You know, I was remembering uh, some of the writers that I've known over the years. These writers, you know, were thinking that they had to suffer for the sake of their art. They rarely left their writing desk, and, and they certainly never pampered their body, mind, or spirit. But you believe that we need to actually stop and self-nurture ourselves without guilt. Is that right? Well, I don't think that we do a service to uh, the gift that we're giving when writers are gifting of themselves in their writing. If there's guilt, that, that energy transfers. We don't realize it, but maybe the book doesn't or the poem or, or whatever is being written. So I think the most important thing is for us to come back to ourselves to a sense of peace because really that writing is the gift that we're giving. And guilt, guilt, I remember in counseling, we used to say it's a useless emotion. So it might be important to look at, you know, why am I feeling guilty? Is it because I'm not having an inspiration now? Is it because I feel like I shouldn't be taking the time? And, and really look at what's the pattern underneath that and do whatever is possible, choosing a room in the spa, choosing to um, do something that, it, that relaxes you or makes you feel peaceful or something that's just self-loving. So guilt just doesn't serve any of us. Oh, I absolutely agree. I do. And it sounds to me that 
practicing self-love is the number one way to go. So now let's talk about your own writing. Here is an excerpt from your children's book, Angel Violet's Magic Wings. Once upon a time, all the children on the earth everywhere remembered something that many grown-ups forgot. Everyone has a happy heart and everyone sparkles from the inside out. Wow. Well, as a color therapist, I was extremely impressed by how you use color breathing and the healing energy of the violet flame to encourage children to release that awful negativity and to appreciate their own beautiful sparkles. I just think this message is really wonderful. And I also love the illustrations. I think they're very sweet. And actually, I think your book should be distributed to every child in the universe. I think it's that valuable. In fact, I was telling a friend of mine that I wish that I had had a book like this when I was a child. So congratulations on that, Bonnie. What was the writing process like? When did you first receive the concept to write Angel Violet's Magic Wings? And how long did it take to complete the book? And did you call on the angels to help you write the book? Well, I'm always calling on the angels, and that's something I know probably many of the listeners know, but we have to call on them in order for them to assist us. But yes, I did call on the angels. And I think for writers in particular, and I wouldn't have labeled myself as a a writer before this, but if there's a joy and a passion in what you're doing, it's going to make things move so much differently. Starting this book, I, I had no intention of writing a book. My, um, our little granddaughter was going to preschool, and I knew she was going to be exposed to a much larger environment. And I was actually taking my half an hour walk in the morning, and I was thinking about it. And I remembered the violet flame, which I have used for myself, which is a visualization, and many believe is the energy of the violet flame uh, connected to St. Germain. And the violet flame, although I didn't know it for years, you can say I'm the purity of God's love. It's really about purifying and just connecting back to who we are, our God selves. So as I was walking, I was thinking that that would be a great thing for my daughter to do for our our little granddaughter, Sienna. And then as things happen, I'm walking, okay, I'm moving. I'm not sitting at my desk trying to figure out what to write. I thought, oh, well, a story would be good. And then I thought, of course, it needs illustrations. So Alyssa Schultz, who did the illustrations, had also created the illustrations for a children's CD that I have, A Butterfly Story. So I called her. But I'm going to pause there a moment because this is how things happen. In my counseling practice, I used to see children and families. Um, Since I've become a coach, I work much more with women with family-related and work-related issues, but I don't see children. So I had said to my husband repeatedly, I really would like to get back. I miss the kids just because I just enjoy playing and, and being with them and watching them. And I learn so much, and it's just such a shared experience. And I said, I really would like them to have a tool like EFT, like tapping play, which Debbie Teichman wrote. So I, I want to put that out there because, again, this is like a miracle. And I had said that to him again like three days before this story popped through. So by the time I finished my walk, I heard story Angel Violet. 
And quite honestly, I sat down, and in this story you know isn't long, and wrote the entire story. Now, that's not the parent notes, which are on the other side, but the story came that quickly. I know the angels were there. I know Angel Violet named herself. And I will tell you now that Angel Violet has her own mind. The project has had its own mind. So that's how it came about for me. I knew that I wanted a guide for parents, which is on one side, is on one side of the, the book. And I knew I wanted the children to have a story. So the parent guides took me a little bit longer, but I actually consulted with a colleague and friend of mine. And she and I went through the questions and did some edits. I have to tell you, because it was born from a love in my heart, and when I saw the illustrations, I knew that this needed to be my gift and my contribution to the children of the world, to try to cope with the stress that goes on, and also to thrive. Yes, and your book is an excellent guide for both the children and their parents. And it's so obvious that you wrote it with an open heart. I think Angel Violet is a wonderful character. Have you found that most children believe in angels, regardless of their background? Yes, it's been very interesting to me. It doesn't matter what the belief is or whether there's a belief or not. The children and the parents have really embraced Angel Violet. I will tell you, I, I, because this was all new for me, I thought, you know, I'm not sure about the parent notes, where they should be. This is a new story. I did have tester families. I call them tester families. They had a laminated, laminated papers to look at as a book. And the feedback was amazing um, from children from four years old to eight years old. And even though she may seem a little feminine, the boys loved it. Uh, we had boys who were eight years old talking about understanding why others did things that they might not do. So it's been really exciting. It sounds like it. You know, there's a line from an old children's song that goes, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. You remember that one? Well, you talk about happiness in the book. Have you found that most children are generally happy, at least when they're not being influenced by adults? Oh, yes. I, if you go to a playground or go someplace where they're children and you just watch them play, we lose that as adults. And that's this time now is really for us to go back and find that curiosity like a child. We're not saying be a little child, but that curiosity and that joy and that fun it's imperative in our world now when, there, when we look at the TV, which I recommend as little of as possible, and listen to what's going on and see you know, the devastation around, that it's so important for us to go back and find this joy and happiness within because it really is not about the external. It really is about how we are inside. And as we change inside, so does our outside world. And I think that's my excitement with, with Angel Violet's Magic Wings, is that it gives children some tools, but it gives parents a way to communicate with their children to a much wider, well past the book, but ways to look at the world where they can shine and sparkle and feel happy and, and find joyful things. Beginning in the book, you know, you started asking me about... Um, authentic happiness coaching, the very first thing is about what are the happiest 
things that you had in your day today. Tell me three things. And you start your day that way, or you end your evening that way, you can't help but put children to bed and feel happier yourself. So could there also be another message here, maybe for the grown-ups, like learning to see and to appreciate the world as if you were a child? That was part of my intention because we take care of our precious children in a very careful, loving manner, but we don't always do that for ourselves. And when we stop taking care of ourselves, particularly women, in a loving way, the way we would with our precious children, then we no longer take care of our children in a precious way. So I was very excited as I wrote the book and some of, again, the inspiration with the angels guiding me on how parents can take the violet flame from themselves. As they're talking about the book with children, really recognizing it says, how do you sparkle? Are there times that you got dust on your sparkles and you needed to call angel violet? It's contagious, and there's some notes about what contagious means. So I, I believe that parents that are open, and I believe many of them, the younger parents are, some of the, I, I like to call them the new parents with the new children, will really get that reminder for ourselves to be open, not to be as judgmental, to take care of ourselves, to be joyful, to know that we all do sparkle from the inside out, all of us. We're all sparklers. I really love that thought. Bonnie, I know you must have some tips on how writers can write responsibly and pay it forward. So, in your opinion, how can writers best serve the planet? I believe that if a writer is writing from their heart with joy and listens to the guidance and the intuition of their heart, that that is absolutely the best way to be who they are, not to try to pretend to be somebody else, to trust if if they feel they need to, to change what they're writing or to put it out in a different way or to follow a different path, that that is the most important thing that they can do because the gift of the writing is a gift of who they are. So not to diminish that, to really, to really honor their gifts, not the little bumps along the way. Believe me, I could tell you all kinds of little bumps with publishing Angel Violet. That's not what's important. And, and just to, to continue. To, to follow through step-by-step step until you're joyful and happy with your results.
It's time for your next spa treatment, so please have your writing paper and pen or pencil ready. Whether you are afraid of being rejected or not being talented enough, fear is one of the greatest challenges for writers. But the important thing is to take a breath, take the risk, and meet your fears head on. For this writing detox, write a list of everything you are afraid of. This could be fear of failure, fear of success, fear of being attacked, fear of animals, fear of loving, fear of losing someone you love, any fear that you can think of. You will do this for five minutes, beginning now.
Good. Okay, so now next to each fear, I'd like you to write an affirmation that would help you detox that fear so that you can achieve wellness. Begin each affirmation with the words, I am or I have. As an example, write something like, I have no fear of failure because I know I am talented and can always try again. Or, I have no fear of being attacked because I am always protected and in a state of love. Then, practice saying these affirmations aloud. Again, we will do this for five minutes, starting now.
Joining us from South Carolina is my next guest, Carla Golden. Carla is a licensed massage therapist and spiritual nutritionist who teaches how to use food as a platform for spiritual growth. Those who are healing from physical or emotional trauma can use Carla's unique Fruit Still 5 and the Healer's Diet plans to bring their body and soul into greater vibration, health, happiness, and peace. Carla's website address is carlagoldenwellness.com. Carla, on your website is a wonderful blog. It has lots of really good health advice on becoming more conscious about our food choices. I loved how you wrote that every meal is a meditation, devotion, and sacred practice of self-appreciation. That sounds very mindful. Was reaching this state a simple process for you? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> it, it's been a long journey. And I started um, when I was a teenager, I actually had an eating disorder. So I punished myself with food. And through the therapy I received and the work that I did within myself, I now use food to heal myself. And I have analyzed what choices I made over the years that helped me improve that relationship. And with my nutritional studies in school, I've combined all that. And that is really what I teach and advocate now so that other people don't have to take such a long, arduous path like I did um, to help have a new relationship with food and to use food as a platform for spiritual growth. Once I really refined my diet and started eating a very specific way, I expected to feel better physically. But what I didn't expect, which really surprised me and delighted me, was the exponential spiritual growth that I experienced, that I just opened up in new ways. And I was able to grow faster than I had ever grown before in a spiritual way. And that is the most exciting part about food because we think food is very practical, it's very earthly, it's very physical, but it has the power to change how you feel about yourself and transform yourself. And through that, then we are able to impact the world and actually help you know, create a global revolution and impact a positive human evolution. And so this, this mundane little food stuff that we put on our plate or our bowl looks too simple to be that powerful. But what I have discovered is that it is so amazingly powerful. And when we start to work with it, we can start to experience those uh, greater journeys. You mentioned having an eating disorder and health-wise, you've really come a long way. Here's what you wrote on your website. Working in the healing arts, I know how helpful it can be to stay transparent with my own healing journey. I'm not a fixed individual who is helping others who are broken. We are all ideally on a healing journey for life, always seeking higher ground. The day we stop growing is the day we die. So tell us about your personal wellness journey, Carla. When did that begin? Let's see, when did it begin? I think that it really began around the time that I became pregnant with my daughter in 2001. I had, uh, I thought that I ate pretty well. You know, I grew up on whole wheat bread 
and grape nuts and product 19 cereal and things like that. And I thought that I ate pretty well. And I carried a lot of that into my adult life. But then when I got pregnant, I started looking at things differently and wondering how what I was eating would impact the growth of my baby. And then when she was born, um, after she started eating solid food, I became really very, very interested in the quality of the food that I was feeding her. And then it dawned on me, if I am so concerned about the quality of her food, maybe we should be eating the food that we're feeding her. And so that's when I really started to question how much I knew and how well I was really eating or not. And so that kick-started my path. And then when I went to massage school, I started hanging out with people who knew a lot more about food than I did. And so I learned a lot there. And then I started reading more and started a blog, writing openly about what I was discovering. And then I decided to enroll formally in school. And I'm studying um, holistic health and healing with the University of Natural Health. And I've received my Bachelor of Science degree, and I'm pursuing my master's degree, and then I'll go on to my PhD. Um, and so, you know, it's it's been, um, you know, since, since 2001, I would think it's been a concentrated focus on what food really means and what constitutes good food and what the inherent power in changing a person's diet and what kind of impact that can have on their life. And it's been fascinating. I love it. I can tell. You know, I think you were very courageous, very courageous when you opened Pandora's box and you wrote about your struggles with bulimia and your sexual trauma at age nine and the painful relationship you've endured with your mother. How did changing your diet help you to find your light and strength to go on? How did you finally become celebratable? Well, changing my diet, I found that it affected my emotions and how I reacted to people and situations and how I responded to myself. And feeding yourself a very clean, healthful, nutritious diet is an act of acute self-care. And the more love you give yourself, the more love you generate for others. And so as I was going through this process, changing my diet, reflecting on my life and, and uh, focusing on ironing out, you know, the kinks that I still had in relationships, um, I, I found a new way to deal with them. And a lot of it had to do with believing in myself and loving myself and not feeling ashamed for things that went wrong in the past. And so I decided to become more public about my struggles. Um, I had been public about my eating disorder and about, um, you know, my sexual trauma at age nine. But then when I really opened up about my struggles with my mom, um, I realized that this is, this is something that unfortunately is very common and there's no need to feel ashamed. Um, there's a great taboo in our culture about speaking poorly about your parents, especially the mother who is on such a pedestal in our society. And, and I did, and I felt that I did it with respect for myself and for her, that this was something that I needed to explore so that I could move on and I could grow. And I, and I tried very hard not to blame her for anything, but to acknowledge maybe where 
her wounds are still haunting her and, and not dealing with that, how she has passed them on to her children, namely me. I can only speak about my experience with her, her daughter. I'm her only daughter. And so from woman to woman, how that's been passed on through the generations and, and, you know, so taking good care of myself, I've been able to cultivate more positive light in myself and I've been able to stand by myself and I made the decision that my healing was more important than any fear of backlash I might receive from my mother or my family, that this was a healing step that I needed to take to become more public with my struggles. And my mother had told me one time that I wasn't celebratable, you know, when I was asking her that I just wanted to feel celebrated by her, that if I walked into the room, I just wanted to feel like her light, her eyes would light up and she would be happy that I, I appeared. And, you know, because that's how I feel about my daughter. You know, when I see her every morning, when she wakes up, I'm just delighted that she is a part of my life. And I celebrate uh, the fact that she's here. It's an absolute miracle. And I would love to feel that my mother feels that way about me. And she said, well, you know, I would need to be celebratable for her to feel that way. And it was very crushing to hear at the time. But then, you know, I realized that that, that's her story. That's not my story. And, And she was reflecting really how she feels about herself and her life more than she was really saying anything absolute about me. And so I realized, I decided I needed to celebrate myself you know, that there are things in life that we're just not going to get from other people, no matter how badly we want them to give them to us. And I think when we cross over from adult child to a mature adult is when we take the responsibility to finish that parenting um, duty ourselves. And we begin to mother and father ourselves and fill in the gaps where our parents were not able to give to us. And so I've turned inward, especially with my mothering abilities and capabilities um, to take better care of myself as my own mother of that wounded child within. And rather than looking to my actual biological mother to help me feel better about those things, I've become my own mother. And I have many beautiful, wonderful female friends my age and older. And, and in some way, large and small, they all help mother me. And so I realized that on a very large scale that we're all in this together and mother earth is looking out for us and wants us to, to do right by her so that we can stay here with her. And, and so I feel very much all that maternal love surrounding me, even though it's not coming directly from my biological mother. And so that's how I've made peace with all that. And you applied that maternal love by nurturing yourself through art therapy How did painting and working with color help connect you to the divine feminine? It was interesting because painting is my mother's world. And so I had always been hesitant to even step in there because I knew that I probably would not paint as well as she does. She's an excellent artist. But then I realized it wasn't about being good or better or equal. It was just about expressing myself. And so I go into intuitive painting sessions about every three weeks as a form of therapy for myself with my coach. And I access a place in myself that I really don't 
carve out time for, except when I'm painting with my coach and I tap into a very imaginative, open, intuitive place. And I just let my, my intuition guide my paintbrush. And I'm so fond of color, very rich, bold color. And I can express myself that way on the canvas. And it's, it's so delightful and healing to me because messages come to me through the painting process and through the canvas. So it's not even so much about the finished product um, that other people see on the canvas. It's about the entire process and what I've learned while I've been painting. And so tapping into the unknown and the unseen, the unmeasurable is a very strong way to connect with the divine feminine. And so the process has been very rewarding. And I think that it has helped strengthen and, and expand a part of me that was um, neglected prior to going into these sessions. Well, speaking of color, one of my favorite topics, one of your signature programs is called the Healer's Diet, which is a compassionate diet that spiritually nourishes the chakras. Would you explain how it does that? Absolutely. I have taken what I know about nutrition, what I've studied and what I practice, and layered it with compassionate living. And and that's compassion towards ourselves, to others, to the planet. And I've taken those layers and walked through the chakra system talking about colors and foods and emotions that all tie into the different chakras. And I discuss which foods and drinks are robbing us of vital energy and then what foods and drinks and habits help cultivate stronger energy in those chakras. So, you know, I go from the root chakra to the crown chakra talking about um, emotions and food and how they all integrate and intertwine together to help create within us a very healthy and strong physical body, but also a very vibrant and colorful and energetic spiritual body. I find it interesting that you've written that wellness is our natural state, but that sometimes we think we are thinking about being well when we are really worried about being sick. So does this mean we are unconsciously self-sabotaging our health? We quite possibly could be because the mind is so powerful and the body listens to the mind. And we live in a culture that manages disease and illness and sickness and rather than valuing and teaching about being well. And so a lot of the times, um, especially people come to me and say, what can I do to help this situation? What can I take? You know, what supplement can I add or what food can I add? And so often it's more a case of what is it that you're already doing that needs to stop or be minimized? Um, it's not that you're lacking something. More often it's, it's something that you're already doing that is creating the environment of disease in your body and causing you to feel unwell. And so, you know, we are so afraid of being sick because, you know, sickness and disease is a huge business. And we're always hearing about the war against cancer or fighting this disease as though we are just sitting ducks waiting to be picked, you know, by one of these diseases and it's going to take us and it's going to ruin us. 
And so we live in this sort of chronic state of fear based on what we hear in the news, um, newspapers, magazines, whatever. And we don't realize how amazingly powerful and healing the body is. And as long as we support the body in doing what it does best, which is always moving in a direction of healing, as long as we support that and know how to stay out of the body's way, we will constantly be moving in a state of rejuvenation and recuperation and well-being and healing. And so I think it's just a, you know, just a subtle shift in consciousness about how we think about ourselves that we are far more in control over our health than the media would have us believe. And so learning how to make lifestyle choices that can prevent the, you know, the top four most common diseases, which are cancer, obesity, heart disease, and diabetes, those are all lifestyle diseases that can be prevented. And when we learn how those diseases manifest in the body, we can start making different choices about maybe the habits that we've acquired over time that we need to minimize or stop doing um, and then let health and healing take over in our bodies. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you also for sharing your wonderful website with the world, Carla. Besides all the valuable health content, one thing stood out for me, and that is your company's slogan, which is Carla Golden Wellness, because being happy is your life's purpose. That word happy can mean so many different things. What does it mean to you? I like to use it as an acronym, which stands for Healthy, Active, Positively Perfect You. Happy has its own meaning to people. You know, there's always this pursuit of happiness in our culture and the the right to fulfill your happiness. And and so, you know, there's something that, you know, we look for and we seem to chase and want to achieve. But I think that being happy is our life's purpose and becoming happy within ourselves is the best kind of happiness because it's not dependent on external factors. It's not dependent on who we're with or what we have or where we work. But if we can be healthy in ourselves, we can be active in our lives and we can be positively, perfectly ourselves in our most imperfect human ways. And it's absolutely perfect. Just like that. If we can be authentically ourselves as we were made and as we are becoming, then we are going to be content in ourselves and we'll carry that with us wherever we go and with whomever we're with. And I think that that is the greatest freedom and the greatest liberation is to be able to harness that and cultivate that ourselves um, so that we can have an abundant, endless supply as long as, you know, we're, we're doing what we need to do to maintain that and generate it. And on that happy note, I'd like to give a big thank you hug to my inspiring guests, Carla Golden and Bonnie Snyder, and to the performers of the beautiful music you heard here today, Guardian Mind Mix, Paul Landry, and Bjorn Lynn. I invite you to visit my WriteLighter Virtual Writing and Wellness Spa at WriteLighter.com where you can browse the spa shop, register for writing workshops, read my blog, and book your virtual WriteLighter retreat. While you're there, be sure to click the Radio Show tab 
where you will find special show offers from Bonnie Snyder and Carla Golden. And don't forget to sign up for my mailing list to get your free writing MP3. Thank you for joining me at the Writeliner Radio Spa. I hope you feel happier and healthier since you first arrived. And if you liked what you experienced here today, please be sure to tell your friends. I will return with another uplifting show during the summer, so please check my website for updates. This session has nearly ended, but I do have one last treatment for you to enjoy. Namaste. This is a garden labyrinth meditation for manifesting. To begin, sit or lie in a comfortable position. Then close your eyes and imagine you are sitting on a rustic wooden bench at the edge of a beautiful garden labyrinth. The bench is made of lovely twisted grapevines and sitting on it makes you feel grounded and connected like you are a very tall tree with your roots firmly planted in the earth. You remove your shoes, for you know you will walk on a sacred path today. Now, take three deep breaths, inhaling the fresh scent of the earth, the grass, and the fragrant flowers. Now, think of where you are as a writer and where you wish to be. As you walk, should anything negative appear in your thoughts, simply close that chapter of your mind as if it were a page in a book. When you are ready, Rise from the bench and walk over to the entrance of the garden labyrinth. The green grassy path is your path of transformation, a path to reconnect you with your writer's voice and mission. The grass feels soft and cool under your feet. 
and marking the path are large flat stones of shimmering pink quartz. See how they sparkle like fairy glitter in the sunshine. Their wonderful pink radiance makes you feel hopeful, supported, and loved. There are seven miniature gardens within this labyrinth. Notice how the labyrinth moves in a gentle spiral path. And as you walk along, concentrate on the rainbow of colors and what each can bring to your life. You are closing the book on worries and discouragement. You are closing the book on writer's block and procrastination. It is time to create a new chapter in your life. The first garden you see is a grove of beautiful red roses. You bend down to gently stroke the soft velvety petals. Feel the warmth and the energy of the color red. Red is the first color of the rainbow. It is the color of passion and enthusiasm and survival. Red helps you obtain your material needs and it helps you to become grounded. Think of red when you wish to become more courageous in your writing. Breathe in the color red. Grow power and stability with red. The next garden you see is an orange chrysanthemum. Orange is the second color of the rainbow. Touch the orange chrysanthemum and become the color orange. Orange is a joyful color, so feel happy about your decision to become a writer. Think of orange when you wish to be more creative and motivated. Breathe in the color orange. Grow joy and creativity with orange. Now, walk through the third garden with its sunny yellow buttercups. Feel the sunshine and the power of yellow surround you. Yellow is the third color of the rainbow. 
Yellow gives you better confidence in your writing abilities, no matter how many rejection slips or criticisms you receive. Think of yellow when you wish to improve your mental concentration. Breathe in the color yellow. Grow confidence and optimism with yellow. Next is a garden of sweet green clover. Green is the fourth color of the rainbow. It is the color of harmony and balance and abundance. Green gives you the gift of good physical and emotional health. Think of green when you are stressed and hurrying to meet writing deadlines and your balance will be restored. Breathe in the color green. Grow good health and financial abundance with green. You are now standing in the center of the labyrinth. There is a crystal clear pool here and a small waterfall which flows into the pool. You kneel next to the pool and lean over to see your reflection. Your face looks rested and you are smiling. You see yourself at a desk where you are finishing your book, your article, your screenplay. You see your name on the first page of your document. On the desk there is a stack of assorted books. You see your name below the title of each of these books. There is also a stack of uncashed checks with your name on them. You are a published writer. You see your family and friends joining you. They are praising and encouraging you to keep on writing. You have finally achieved independence, joy, confidence, and peace. You are anxious to begin your journey back through the labyrinth and to live your dream, so you turn to continue your journey. The path is leading you through a field of bluebells. Blue is the fifth color of the rainbow and offers you the gifts of peace and communication. Think of blue when you wish to communicate well and with truth. Breathe in the color blue. Grow peace and integrity with blue. Soon you are walking through an indigo patch of deep blue irises.
Indigo is the sixth color of the rainbow. Indigo gives you intuition and imagination. Think of indigo when you seek inspiration in all your business dealings, whether it is with an agent, an editor, a publisher, or a fellow writer. Breathe in the color indigo. Grow imagination and intuition with indigo. Now, there is only one garden left to explore, the violet-colored lavender fields. Violet is the seventh color of the rainbow. It is the color of faith and spiritual meaning. In your journey as a writer, remember violet when you need to expand your horizons. Breathe in the color violet. Grow faith and opportunities with violet. You have reached the end of the labyrinth. You see your bench and notice there is a shiny colored object on the seat. As you grow closer, you find that it is a brand new pen in your favorite color. There is a beautiful feather attached to it in the same color. With this pen, you are ready to explore the source of your pain, your creativity, and your love. With this pen, you have all the courage you need to write your stories. You sit on the bench, feeling the richness of the earth below, and breathe in all the colorful beauty which surrounds you. You feel a powerful light emerging in you. You know you are safe and can write anything now. You must write now, for you are, indeed, a writer. <laughs>